There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Well, thank you once again for tuning to the podcast. This is our Tuesday edition of the podcast. We will be in Job 4 and preaching part 2 of Job 4 in just a few moments here. But let me first say that again tonight and tomorrow night, we're going to have special services there at the Manassas Community Baptist Church in Blaine, Pennsylvania. And that'll be at 70 Back Hollow Road. But also then this morning, those of you that download this early in the morning, we have a 1030 service. If you're able to make it, we'd love to have you come and be a part of that service. It'll be at 1030 in the morning. And uh, then Brother John Asquith will be preaching both morning and evening today. And then, of course, tomorrow he'll be closing out tomorrow night, Lord willing. And we're going to have a meal at 12 o'clock. A light lunch will be served. And so we just want to invite you, let you know you're welcome. We would love to have guests, love to have folks uh, come over and be a part of those services. And we thank the Lord for Brother John, thank the Lord for his ministry, the labor. And uh, just I put a plug on our website and on this podcast frequently. But those of you interested in more preaching, available on onesoulatatime.net, onesoulatatime.net. Now, that is the prison ministry of Brother Dale Morey, uh, his dear wife Amy, and their family. But on that, they've also used that, utilized that website and utilized that space for many hundreds and hundreds, possibly thousands of sermons are available on that website. I know I personally have probably 40 to 50 messages, maybe more than that, on that website, each and every service of the Black Creek Baptist Church is on there. Many other preachers are on there. My pastor's on there. Different preachers that have filled in different times. And so I, I want to make that available to you, let you know about that. If you're interested in more messages, more sermons, uh, many of them are 45 minutes or longer. And so if you have a long commute, it'd be a good time to listen to the Word of God being preached. And so just make that resource available to you. We're in Job chapter 4, and uh, we've been dealing with Eliphaz the Timonite and uh, looking at his argument, if you will, with Job, his accusation against Job. And I'm going to start in verse 8, where we left off yesterday, but he says, Even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. Now, that is a very true statement. If you are going to plow iniquity and sow wickedness, you're going to reap the same. You are going to have that in your life. You are going to reap what you sow. That is a spiritual law. One of the things that is in fatherhood, especially a little bit later in life than some, or many, I guess I could say, one of the things in fatherhood that I deal with is dealing with the, the law of, of sowing and then the law of reaping. And I watch with my children when they disobey. And so many times in disobedience, they fall, they hurt themselves, they embarrass themselves, they walk into a wall. Now, we had an incident just today where my daughter did something foolish and turned around and my wife had told her contrary to that as she turned around and fell flat on her face. And I didn't show a lot of sympathy, to be honest with you. I wasn't real kind and compassionate, and I didn't run and scoop her up like many moms will do and slobber all over and tell her how wonderful she is. I just said, did you learn your lesson? 
And my children know enough by now that if they, when dad, they hear daddy say, did you learn your lesson? They know that they it happened because of disobedience. And people say, well, that's cruel parenting. No, that's just honest parenting. That's the way my father is with me. My heavenly father is that way with me. Did you learn your lesson yet? There's times he'll let me go out on the limb. There's times I'll tempt God. And to my shame, I'll tempt God with something. God let me go out on that limb. When that limb snaps and I fall to the ground, he stands there looking and say, did you learn your lesson yet? And I've learned enough. And over these years, 26 years almost of being saved, I've realized when he says, did you learn your lesson yet? I'd better look at him and say, Lord, I'm trying to learn this lesson because I need to learn that lesson. Disobedience will lead you into danger. Disobedience will lead you into destruction. And so it's a true statement what Eliphaz says here, but the reality that Eliphaz is not seeing is that God is using Job, and Job is speaking this rightful thing of God. And in verse 9, by the blast of God, they perish. Who's that? Those that plow iniquity and sow wickedness. He said, by the breath of his nostrils are they consumed. The roaring of the lion and the voice of the fierce lion and the teeth of the young lions are broken. So again, he's judging the wicked. He's rightfully speaking of those things, but that's not where Job is at. Job is a perfect man. The Lord said that. So he's looking at the calamity that's come upon Job, and he's wrongfully discerned that Job has deserved this. This is because of sin. This is because of iniquity. And he begins a pattern amongst the friends when they speak of Job. And they increasingly push Job where he becomes more defensive, increasingly push him where he does become more self-righteous. And finally, God steps in and rebukes Job, and it pushed Job to the brink, if you will. And that's the way a lot of friends are. That's, you know, there's twofold. A brother's born for adversity. And, and I realize, you know, you're looking at a physical brother, but I can spiritually, I can make application and not be out of sorts with that. But that brother, and, and I've looked at that two different ways. He's born for adversity. Yes, he is an adversary to you. And uh, you watch two brothers, and they they are adverse one to another. But iron sharpeneth iron. And that's why that brother's also born for adversity. And we saw that in Jacob and Esau. Jacob gathers his family and divides his family and his flocks. And he here comes Esau, and he's sure Esau's going to pour out his vengeance. And Esau says, I have enough, my brother. Look what God's done for me. And he hugged his neck. He was born for adversity. And he bonded with Jacob again. He came back to, so at the time they were apart, at the time they were adverse one to another, but then he came for adversity. No one's going to stand against Jacob and Esau. No one's going to war against Jacob. They are stronger. That twofold bond is there. And, and therefore, he is born for it. So it's twofold. It's, it's born in a day of adversity, if you will, but it's also burnt, born that he's going to strengthen you in adversity. And so that's what he's speaking of. That's the things we look at with these, these manners of the Scripture. In verse 11, the old lion perisheth for lack of prey, and the stout lion's whelps are scattered abroad. And then verse 12, he says, Now a thing was secretly brought to me, and mine eye received a little thereof, in thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falleth on men, fear came upon me, and trembling, which made all my bones to shake. So a secret thing was brought to him. Fear came upon him. He said, made all my bones to shake. But then he said, then a spirit passed before my face. The hair of my flesh stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern the form thereof. An image was before mine eyes. There was silence, and I heard a voice saying, so he has a vision. He's in the night's sleep. He's in his sleeping hour. It's at this time of his rest, and something's aroused him. Something's waking him. 
The spirit passed before him. The hair of my flesh stood up. But this is what it said. There was silence. And I heard a voice say, shall mortal man be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? And by the way, that is a factual statement. He is rightfully speaking. That spirit that came to him and appeared to him spoke rightful. And so therefore, again, he saw a glimpse of what was right. He's speaking that thing which was good. He's speaking that thing which was right. And so often, you know, and really to me, and you don't have to discern it this way, but I look at his friends oftentimes of being typical people, because they are, and uh, they're spiritual, they're carnal, they're carnal, they're spiritual, they're in that yo-yo. They go through spiritual times, they go through carnal times. And I remember a man years ago, he told me, he said, brother, he said, I've been walking with God for about three straight years now. And he said, I've been full of the Holy Ghost. He said, rising up every morning and spending time with God before I face my day. And every day I spend with God. And then I remember a couple of years later, him saying, brother, I have really slipped in those things. He said, I'm back in the rut I was before. He said, man, I'm up and down, up and down. He was lamenting that. He Tears in his eyes. He said, I don't want to be that man. I don't want to be that way. And so, so many times we see here, advance up and down, accusing Job, but then he's telling the vision he saw when that spirit appeared unto him. And he makes a great statement, shall mortal man be more just than God? I mean, can I be more right than God? You hear some people talk, you think they are. And some people talk about luck and they talk about blessings in the same mouth. And, you know, it's just really, it's just a septic tanks, what that is. That's just... That's just a man being mortal, a man being carnal. There's no such thing as luck and also being blessed because the blessings of God are not luck. The blessings of God are from above. And you hear people talk about happenstance and circumstance and all these things, and they really don't understand that. I can't say I always understand. There's times I try to discern that. There's times God will let me know those things. But then he says, shall a man be more pure than his maker? No, he will not be more pure than his maker. Because the Lord himself is pure. The Lord himself, Jesus Christ, the righteous virtue went out of him because he had virtue. Behold, he put no trust in his servants and his angels he charged with folly. That's verse 18. And therefore, get it right. He puts no trust in his servants. How can God trust man? No man trusts God. How does he trust God? Because he believes God. If a man believes God, he can trust God. But can God trust man? I mean, can God entrust me with the holy things of God and to trust me with righteousness and good things. No, God has commanded me. God has called me. God has given me ministry. God has given me a call upon my life that I cannot run from. But to be honest, how much can God trust me with that? Just because God gives it to me doesn't mean he trusts me with it. It's just a command of God. Here, here, you're my servant. The, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. I can disobey God. I could refuse to preach. I could go make money if I wanted to. People say, well, God would break you. God would kill you. You know, I'm not convinced about that. I believe he could. I believe he may just let me go out there and flounder in despair and be an absolute reproach and lose every reward I ever had. Why? Because he's long-suffering and he's merciful and he's just. And, you know, the foreknowledge of God does not dictate what, what you and I do. And then, therefore, we don't try to judge those things by foreknowledge. And yet... That's what you often hear today. They say, well, you know, did not God not see that man was going to get divorced? Did God not see that man was going to go into sin? Did God, yes, God saw those things, but the gifts and calling of God without repentance. One of the most sorry things you'll ever see in your life is a man called of God on the shelf 
That man called of God and God can no longer use him. That man has been called of God and there he sits in misery. And it's one of the most pathetic and awful things you'll ever see because he's been cast away of God because he has not lived that thing that he preached. And that's what happens. That's what can happen to men. God forbid it happened to any of us. God forbid any of you ladies that God is a chosen vessel of God, a choice servant of God. God's called you to rear children, to keep that home, be a help me to that husband. And all of a sudden you get out of sorts with God and you disobey God and you don't want to be a keeper at home. And you don't want to raise your children. And you don't want to be a help me anymore. So the most miserable ladies in the world, and you don't believe me, go ask them. You go meet those angry, bitter ladies down at the store, down at the market and ask them, hey, are you a keeper at home? Do you love your children, raise your children? Are you a helpmeet to your husband? You'll see the bitterness spew forth. Why are women miserable? Why are they so bitter and hateful today? Well, because they're too worried about women's sports rather than learn how to be a mother. They're too worried about being athletes rather than being a wife. And they're not in their rightful place. And they're bitter and malice and envy and strife, variance. All those things come out. Yet, will God trust them? His angels he charged with folly? How much less than them that dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, which are crushed before the moth? Can I say this one thing that he did not rightfully determine here? He said his foundations are in the dust. But can I say to you, we have a more sure foundation in Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every man that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That's the foundation that my feet are set upon. My feet are no longer in the dust, been made a new creature in Jesus Christ. Not understanding, not to say, yes, this is a house of clay. What you see is a house of clay. This body is returning to the dust. But can I say to you, my friend, my foundation is not crushed before the moth. My foundation is a sure foundation. It is the surety of a better testament, Jesus Christ. He said, they are destroyed from morning to evening. They perish forever without any regarding it. And by the way, if your foundation is dust, that'll be you too. You will be destroyed and never regarded. But I hope your foundation's more than that. There in Ezekiel chapter 13, one of my life chapters, and when you look at that foundation, that storm read it. The storm came and washed away the whitewash, an untempered mortar. And what was left was the foundation. And what they saw was that their foundation was not built on a solid rock. And God tore down that foundation. God destroyed that foundation. And can I say to you, one of the greatest things that could happen to you, Fred, is that God tear down your walls and tear down those man-made things that are built and tear down all those assurances and all those hopes that you've created for yourself and, and let others create, let others come and daub it with untempered mortar and find out that you're standing in the sand and you have no firm foundation and the hopes that you would see you need this rock, which is Jesus Christ. You need a foundation, which is Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you will be in the dust. Your foundation will be crushed before the moth. They're destroyed from morning to evening. They perish forever without any regarding it. Doth not their excellency, which is in them, go away? They die even without wisdom. We finish the fourth chapter of Job with the Lord's help. We'll be in chapter five tomorrow. Pray for our services, the Manasseh Community Baptist Church, both this morning and this evening, and then again tomorrow evening. Have a great day. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. 
You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption calleth not. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing.